You're listening to SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask experts, analysts, and business owners what MSPs need to do now to recession proof their MSP and keep their foot on the growth pedal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP. I'm Radhika Nair, and I am SuperOps.ai's in house storyteller. And today I'm joined by Robin Odie, who is uh, a senior analyst at Canalys. Uh, he focuses on MSPs, MSSPs, and uh, channel. Uh, that is the area that he specializes in. And he has done a ton of research on MSPs and uh, the markets. So he's going to join us today and talk about how the recession, whether the recession is going to affect the MSPs. Is it something that MSPs need to be worried about and how to prepare for a slow economy. So that's what we are going to discuss in this episode. Welcome, Robin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Radhika. Very nice to meet you. Yes. And uh, like I mentioned, um, you know, we we have been uh, talking about recession for a while, right? Everyone's mm, been talking yeah. about whether it's going to be, uh, you know, how bad the downturn is going to be. Is it going to be a soft landing, hard landing? There's a lot of chatter around this. So the first thing I wanted to understand from you is, you know, are we really in a recession? Is this something that, you know, we need to be worried about? How bad are things going to be? Or, you know, is this something that just has been blown out of proportion? Well, I think the first thing to say is it's not something that's blown out of proportion, for sure. I think we've been seeing volatility in tech stocks and economies for some time now, and, and even before 2020 and, and the massive downturns that we saw in, in economies, of course, then. Um, but what we're seeing now is we should kind of reset that obviously that in 2022 and 23, we are still far above the nadir that was 2020. Um Things are obviously a lot better than that. And we're above 2008 right now as well. So we have to remember that. But the thing that we're dealing with here is uh, these are uh, a very different uh, conditions. These are really demand side issues. These are su supply side issues that have come through that are in some ways are, are, are artificial. Um, what's created is less buying power in, in both consumers and, and businesses. The knock-on effect that's obviously had is that um, businesses are, in some cases, are, are cutting the number of employees they have, even though we still see a, a massive gap between the skills that businesses need and those that are available in the market. So in some ways, um, I think, and this is, a, this is a personal view, of course, but I think that one of the difficulties is that at a time where we are likely to face a downturn, there's a philosophical difference between whether or not you should lean into it, invest in it, and hire more to prepare for that, or whether you should cut and 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 save your save your cash in the short term. So, that all being said, yes, we are certainly uh, heading for recession. Some countries are already in recession. Some of the developed economies around the world are obviously already seeing seeing stagnation, and that's that's a big issue. I think that if I look at latest IMF figures uh, for 2023, I think the assumption is that overall growth will be just below 3% globally. Uh, economies, I think, will be around about 1% and uh, and less developed economies and emerging markets around about 4%. I think I'm rounding up a bit on the figures there, but I think that's what the latest numbers are. So we're still at a positive, but I don't think that we've seen, I don't think that we've seen the, the, the bottom of, so at the moment we're hopeful 
um, and overall economic and, and channel data as well from from partners is positive. But the level of that positivity obviously comes with some caveats. Understood, understood. And I think, you know, we'll hold on to that hope as uh, long as possible. I also uh, wanted to understand, uh, you know, how how much of a, um, you know, like you said, we still haven't seen the bottom of it yet. But, um, you know, whether it's a hard landing, soft landing, what does what do those scenarios look like? For MSPs, well, if if it, if we are saying it's going to be a hard landing, if we are saying it's going to be a soft landing, are those two scenarios going to cause uh, going to be very different for MSPs? Because you know there is a lot of uh, the industry wisdom seems to be that MSPs are recession proof. How true is that, and how how much of a difficulty will the MSP industry face? Well, when we talk about MSPs and, and pure MSPs as being companies that make more than 50% of their their revenue from IT managed services, of which there are actually only about 42,000 globally, um, it's a small number. Now, there are lots and lots of partners that that deliver managed services, lots of IT companies that deliver managed services. There's nearly a, well, just over a a million companies that deliver managed services globally. So when we talk about MSP or managed service, the type of company, there's lots of hybrid companies that that deliver that. And that's important to remember when we think about the effects of downturns a company that um at the moment that msp generally is is, is a lot of smb focus a small and medium-sized enterprises are where msps generally focus their business and that's because msps are generally quite small companies themselves now in any downturn generally speaking it is the the, the smaller companies that are most heavily affected and so their ability to invest in IT managed services is also affected um now i think that what we're seeing at the moment the idea that IT managed services is always required and as things get harder it's required even more yes that's true um but we should we should be cautious about exactly companies we're talking about so when we ask partners uh, here at Canalis through our Canaferro platform, we ask them regularly polls on, on their performance and their anticipations. Now, our latest figures are that for 2023, um, the majority of, of the partners that are involved in selling managed services are expecting to be over 10% in their business. Now, some of that, of course, is due to overall price rises. And partners have raised prices in Q4. They're raising prices in, in the first half of this year, too. So some of that is um, is not real growth, but but kind of nominal growth as such. But nonetheless, we still think that managed services will grow over 10% globally this year, which is higher than a lot of kind of resale business that we're anticipating. And yet, very interesting is when we look at the largest channel partners, the titans in any region, we are seeing double-digit growth there already. So some of that is due to order fulfillment and hardware backlogs and things like that. But some of that is also due to double-digit growth in services and software as well. And so one of the things that I have to kind of look at is, is it to do with average sales prices going up or is it to do with demand going up? At the moment, we still see demand as being relatively buoyant. Um, so... At the moment, the way that it would affect MSPs or any other channel partner selling managed services, it hasn't yet hit that level where we're worried about where it's going to go. I think that um, at the moment we are 
we are in the soft landing stage. I am less confident that it will stay that way. Um, but I also think that we'll still see growth in the channel and we'll still see growth in managed services throughout that period. Um, some will be more affected than others. Um, but nonetheless, we will still see demand rise. All right. So hopeful about uh, the soft landing, but not uh, not so hopeful about the soft landing um, eventually. But that was another point that I wanted to understand, uh, taking you know what you mentioned a little further. Uh, the fact is that a lot of the client base that MSPs have, a lot of them are going to get affected. And we yeah. are already seeing that, right? So, yeah. and like you mentioned, some of the larger, um, you know, some of the larger players within the MSP space, they are seeing double-digit growth, but it's the SMB uh, market, right? The SMB players, are you seeing, uh, you know, are you hopeful that they will also, um, you know, uh, not, uh, they will also escape the ill effects of the recession? How how hopeful are you about their uh, performance? And, and going back to that, you know, their client base, will get affected. We are already seeing that. So how much of that is going to influence, you know, the overall growth, the uh, potential for growth for MSPs? Um, it will do. You're absolutely right. And, and for small and medium enterprises, their decisions on where they put their money, that will, of course, affect some MSPs and the ability for MSPs to keep all of their clients or to keep them at the level they were at in terms of pricing per user per month. And so um, there will, of course, be consolidation around some of that. But we obviously know that within that there are there are areas where the the companies themselves are the SMBs themselves are necessarily have to cut back on some internal IT resource and they're looking to outsource some of this to MSPs. Now they might not be looking to outsource huge amounts of of uh, expensive IT managed services in the main. Lots of them will obviously need help with cybersecurity, with network management, with cloud management, and so on, and consulting to help those things. But we're still looking at the idea that um, there will be growth there. Um, MSPs will, of course, see uh, some churn in their in their business. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there are still opportunities in areas where those SMBs didn't have the skills before and still don't have the skills now and don't have the time to invest in those skills or to build them up. That's not true of all SMBs. Some, we are seeing uh, a growth in co-managed IT services between some SMBs and some MSPs working together. And when we look at that model, that becomes much more of a kind of ecosystem model where you would see the customer, the MSP, there may be an SSP for security services involved. You'll also see kind of other consultancies and systems integrators involved in some businesses and even resellers and distributors for hardware pieces. So where you've got a bit of large scale but a tech refresh that comes with managed services you can see you know six or seven different partners involved in that deal so for some uh customers that's that's still very much on on their horizon but we did see a lot of refresh happen in 2020 and 2021 so some businesses slowly ebbing away now um it's not universal but it but it is so whether you're an msp alone in the deal whether it's co-managed it or whether it's an ecosystem um, we think that there are there are opportunities for growth out there. There will be churn in your SMB base for sure. Um, but some of the things that they need help with um, and needed help with before, they will still need help with today. It's very interesting that you mentioned about co-managed IT because that's something that, you know, we are hearing about. So I wanted you to speak mm. a little bit more about not just co-managed IT, but some of the trends that you see 
shaping the MSP market in the industry this year and you know going forward because um, like you mentioned 2020-2021 a lot of things have changed there's a shift that's happened in the industry right and mm -hmm. a lot of these new formats have come up like say the co-managed IT we are also seeing a lot of consolidation in the industry of course there have been acquisitions happening throughout but I, I believe last year we had a very significantly higher number of uh, acquisitions and uh, consolidation happening. So I wanted to understand that, like, what are the trends that you are seeing uh, this year and uh, maybe this year, next year that will shape the MSP industry? What are the trends that MSPs need to watch out for? So to address the acquisition piece uh, first, I would say that Let's look at the different regions to start with. So when we look at the growth in um, managed services revenue um, in the last year, um, it's clear that the, the, the revenue growth is the number of partners that deliver that managed services revenue does not necessarily change if you're in North America or the EMEA region. Um, the number of partners in each of those regions was flat. Now, that was due to some partners being acquired, uh, some entering the market, some exiting market. But the revenue growth was was high. Um, revenue growth in each of those regions was was double digits. So it's excellent that we see more revenue flowing through you know, fewer partners, I guess, in some cases, because, of course, you see consolidation, which is slightly easier for customers to manage a fewer, a lower number of partners or an equal number of partners um, available in the market. So choice, um, choice is a little bit easier to, to, to manage. But where we see um, growth in emerging markets, particularly uh, Asia Pacific region in Latin America, we see the growth in in the number of partners as well as we see the growth in the revenue. So it depends in what area you're in. Now, my assumption is just to take EMEA for example. The we see between 2022 and 2025 probably about 20 percent of the current MSPs uh, in the market, and that equates to about 3,000 uh, companies in in EMEA. 20% of those won't be around in three years' time. Now, many of them will be acquired, many of them will exit, will see entrance in the market for sure, but the, there is a, a large amount of M&A activity going on now. Reasonably, we can put that down to the fact that some valuations for MSPs have dipped a little bit since they, uh, in the last couple of years. So it's useful to see that there is still investment coming in from venture capital in new companies. We're still seeing private equity investment in MSPs uh, and focused vendors as well, which is obviously driving the growth in the opportunity for new entrants into the market if they know that there's still growth in, in buoyancy there. So from that perspective, some regions are seeing growth in the number of partners. Some are seeing churn in, but we're seeing, um, we're seeing a, a kind of overturn where we're seeing new entrants come into the market with new capabilities. So it kind of depends on, on what region you're in. Um, but there has been, in some cases, there's been consolidation in some countries and, and there are fewer partners. But actually what we're seeing is that that hasn't, that hasn't necessarily affected the revenue. So that's good. Um, if I think about the things that are driving uh, MSP change, I think that there are a number of things that are happening. We're seeing more and more regulation come in around what it is that MSPs should do and have to be responsible for. Um, and we have seen that in the US in the way that MSPs work with public sector entities. We've seen that in the UK. We're seeing that in other regions as, as well. We're seeing either regulation already there or on the horizon. We're seeing that in the EU. 
We're certainly seeing it in, in the Asia-Pacific region in some cases. And sometimes it's just down to whether or not the MS deals with a public sector entity and how they manage that data. So I think that's fair. But we've got wider MSP regulations around how they manage customer data, for example. We have early examples of that with GDPR and, and other kind of um, identity and personally identifiable information regulations that happen. But now it's coming into cybersecurity and cyber insurance and the frameworks that you have to around how you manage the cybersecurity environment and the IT estate of your customer. So these are all the kind of things that MSPs have to get ready for and they're going to, have to invest in and that's going to cost money. Um, for those that are forward thinking when it comes to regulations, um, we'll know that these things are on the horizon and they will be planning some form of investment. Uh, for others, they will look at that and say, maybe it's too much for us. And what we need to do is we, we need to look at exit. We need to look to be acquired. And, and that that's also an opportunity for a number of founders of companies to exit the market where they are right now. So those are some of the things that are, that are affecting um, these companies. Regulations particularly are, are making it harder to predict what you'll need to be ready for in the future. So there's that. But I think from a, a technological standpoint, um, it is the things that we were expecting to affect companies before. So cybersecurity threats are always on the rise and are always incredibly hard to manage. In the last year, we already thought that things couldn't get any worse and they just keep getting worse and worse. And we keep seeing small MSPs and small MSPs affected by this. So in a way, I think what we see is, is perhaps a, a troubling trend for me, which is that... I think at least 40% of channel partners that deliver managed services either don't know um, about cyber insurance or don't know whether their customers have cyber insurance. So overall, what we look at is a worrying trend where we have companies that offer managed services, but don't have insight into their customers' cyber insurance capabilities. And the reason why that's important, because if you're an MSP and you have insurance, but your customer doesn't, then there's a possibility that you as the MSP will be the first line of defense that your customer will come to if something goes wrong, even if you're not technically managing the cybersecurity of, of that company. So I would urge MSP, first thing to look at is you need to make sure that you understand cyber insurance for yourself, and many do, but you need to make sure that you understand whether or not customers have it. We have seen MSPs already demanding customers have it or not doing business with customers that don't want to take on cyber insurance. It's not a protection. That's the key thing to think about. Cyber insurance isn't about protection. Um, it's a bit like any other kind of insurance. It's something that most people need to have, and it's meant to compensate you for downtime if you can't get your data back or if something goes seriously wrong. But we know that you have to adhere to very clear frameworks. You have to adhere to ever more stringent regulations from the cyber insurers in order to make sure that you are passing the test. So you have to invest in those things. So when we think about regulation as both public but there are also private frameworks and private requirements in place. So those are some of the things I think that are definitely going to be affecting MSPs uh, for some time to come. Right. And um, one of the uh, one of the points that I really wanted to understand uh, was you you mentioned uh, you know three main points here. One was the actual MA activity that's happening in this space, mm -hmm. cybersecurity and the regulatory pressures, right? So I wanted to understand. Um, you know, is this becoming, I know it's a, you know, I'm making a generalized statement, but is it becoming a market for, you know, larger consolidated MSPs considering the pressures that are there, or is there space for the pl smaller players as well? 
uh, you know, when you're looking at, at long-term operations? I think there's always space for smaller specialized players to come in. Um, the way that we view managed services at the moment, there is um, there is a horizon of five, 10 years where we don't know, of course, what kind of managed services people will be offering then, what kind of technology they're going to need, um, and particularly what kind of help that those companies are going to need to understand their vertical requirements and vertical specializations. Uh, things always get more specialized, not less generally. Um, there's always an opportunity for larger resellers to buy up MSPs, and we see that, of course. There's always an opportunity for larger players to take up market share in certain areas. But the thing is that technology itself is getting more complicated. The management of data is getting more complicated. Um, the way that end customers businesses um, differentiate themselves to go after new customers themselves requires that any MSP that wants to build a vertical specialization will need to know how to develop market intelligence and consulting capability. We've seen that come in. So my view is that if we look at the technology and we look at the way that end customers are, um, are trying to improve their differentiations as well, there is nothing but opportunity for new entrants to come into the market. There is a massive amount of opportunity for small specialists always. In times of difficulty, we usually see um, an accordion effect of acquisition and new entrants into markets. And obviously, there's a tendency to want to focus on the consolidation piece. But if I look at cybersecurity vendors as an example, we're seeing more cybersecurity vendors, not fewer. When we see channel partners, channel partners are always being told by vendors, well, we see consolidation in the number of cybersecurity vendors you have in your stack. That's not true. Thing is that when we look at the number of cybersecurity vendors that channel partners are looking to engage with, most of them are looking to look at uh, to demo more cybersecurity solutions, not fewer. Point products, point specializations are always required. Now that's as true if you are a vendor and you want to come into a new market. Um, it's also true if you're an MSP or a reseller that's growing managed services. There are always specializations available to you. Um, the real thing to remember is you have to understand your market as well as anything let's say your msp in india or the netherlands or colombia it doesn't matter you have to understand what specific requirements are going on in your market what's affecting customers in your market and provide them with a sense that you have an idea of not only how to manage their it but how you can help them leverage that it to improve their business going after their own end customers so there's always, I think there's always opportunity. Um, I think this is a time where brave and bold companies will be coming into the market. And I think this is absolutely a time for um, for, for courage. And, and that's the kind of thing that I would say to, to any company that is looking to start. Do your research, of course, first. Understand your market. Understand how you can serve customers better than anyone else. There's always opportunity for that. Great. And and yeah, uh, it is the time for the bold and the brave. I guess that's, that's a very, very good takeaway from uh, this answer that you've given. I also wanted to uh, check one more thing about the uh, M&A part of it. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of MSPs, like you mentioned, a lot of the smaller MSPs do get uh, a lot of uh, M&A attention, a lot of acquisition attention. And there are MSPs who have, say, uh, you know, built their business to a certain scale and they realize that, you know, they might have plateaued at that stage and they are 
considering you know being part of a larger msp or you know exiting their business so i wanted to understand that now considering the larger economy the wider economy is this a good time to exit is this a good time to explore such avenues well i suppose depends on on how you view good now what i mean by that is i'll explain is the sense that at the moment we are seeing anecdotal evidence that um valuations for msps have gone down so we talked a bit about this earlier but generally speaking that's that's the case now i think that for anyone that's willing to sell their company you have to make you have to come up with the same maths which is you know how much has been put in how much is going to come out it's you know obviously a fairly simple equation but it depends on your willingness to ride this period out it depends on how much ambition you have on whether or not maybe you've got to the end of the road with your particular company or perhaps you're looking to retire you know these are all considerations that you're going to have to make and i think after 2020 and 2021 one of the things that we've all realized is that you know life outside of work is just as important to us as the, as the life we have in work and so there's lots of companies that have looked at that and said well you know i'd like to take some time off there are some founders of msps that are thinking you know i'd like to take the payout a little bit now and and see where i am in the future and i think that's absolutely fine because let's be honest you know we want to spend time with our families and our loved ones so why not so in a way the increased activity around mna in the last couple of years is good for a lot of companies and for a lot of founders depends on how you view good in terms of well could i maximize my return or could i make the same amount of money that i did you know two or three years ago you know possibly not but in some cases you will if your differentiation is high if you are profitable as a company if you have clear specializations in technology uh, and in certain end markets and verticals then your value is still very high and you're still in in demand i think that it's a good time if you have those capabilities it may be that those that are perhaps less differentiated would make less money um and that's absolutely fair you got to think about it for i guess from both the financial and the personal perspective though yes and i think uh, you know that that's a fair, very fair point right it it, it depends on each of uh, each of us and also what you mentioned about you know msps wanting to spend more time with their families that's also very true from uh, you know my conversations with uh, some of the msps they're looking at you know life beyond business what's what's out there that's something that's uh, driving a lot of msps um i also wanted to understand uh, you know going a little beyond uh, the short term uh, the immediate economic uh, conditions i wanted to understand we've seen uh, like you mentioned technology changes every day right and there's a lot of uh, you know change that has happened there's a lot of disruption that has happened but when you you know if you look at it a little to the mid term to the long term what next big disruption do you see uh, you know transforming the msp market transforming the msp industry what what do you foresee well i mean i guess there's a few things on the horizon if i had the perfect answer i'd probably start an msp and i would be i would be investing in that big disruption right now but some of the things that we could see on the horizon at the very least um the core of the msp business model is the remote monitoring and management technology rmm right now the 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 whole point of remote mon- monitoring and management is the difference between the old break fix model and the modern msp model that's the starting point there's lots of other technology and, and lots of other things involved in that 
what we're seeing at the moment is what does the next generation of RMM look like? What is RMM 3.0? If we think of RMM 1.0 as kind of endpoint management, we've got RMM 2.0, which is consolidating endpoint and network management. What's 3.0? What's the next generation? Um, I think that for some people, it is the idea that you add more functionality, more capability, more management into one single pane of glass. I think if you're an MSP uh, and you hear single pane of glass, you roll your eyes a little bit because you think uh, there's only so much that anyone can consolidate into one place. And is it desirable? Because if you imagine an RMM 3.0 as being, for some people, the utopia is, well, I can put RMM and PSA and CRM and XDR and all my other acronyms into one pane. That'd be great. Um, but actually, we see that both technologically and from a and a regulatory standpoint, that's probably a bit of a nightmare. So I don't think that's necessarily the way to go. I don't I don't think that increasing the number of things you can control through one pane is necessarily a good idea. It seems like a good one in terms of automation and time saving and so on, but actually it becomes it becomes a single point of threat rather than a single pane of glass. So I think there's if we think about what's happening next in the MSP model, we have to think about what it is that companies are managing. Um some would say that we're going towards from an endpoint detection and response to more of a kind of user identity and cloud management and cloud infrastructure. I don't think the endpoint's gone. It's not. We still use PCs and so on. And even though our applications may may sit in cloud environments, endpoints are still useful and important to manage. But it's true that where we think about users and identity, cloud environments, it's important to be able to manage those too. So that's where I think that technology can go. It's really about, I think, people trying to understand what it is the MSP is supposed to do. Um, what is it that you want to do on behalf of your customer? That's probably more the disruption for me than it is from a technological perspective. I mean, there are obviously technology disruptions that will happen that none of us can foresee. Um, but I think the purpose of the MSP, the point of what it is you want to manage and what you what value you provide to your to your end customer is key, especially because we're seeing more and more companies deliver managed services, which makes differentiation harder and harder. So you need to really focus on what the MSP model is, what it means, particularly as, as MSPs have, have come under such threat from, from security themselves and how the entire MSP model has, has in some ways been um, the key to, to increase cybersecurity threats because companies become single repositories of billing data and, and customer data. So, you know, in some ways, you have to think about what it is you want to do. Um, and that that business model, the MSP business model, is definitely in need of a reset. All right. That's that's an interesting, uh, you know, point to, uh, you know, leave us with. Um, anything else, uh, Robin, that you think, uh, you know, we should cover here? Any other point that, uh, you know, we should mention? Well, I think that, I mean, from, from our perspective at, at Canars, one of the things that, that we obviously... Uh, work very hard at is understanding uh, ecosystem models where it's not just about one partner delivering to one customer, but it's about partners working together in concert, helping customers in, in different ways. Now, this isn't necessarily a new thing at all. We, we know that partners have partnered with other partners um, over the years and, and generally speaking with one or two others, and they'll know that. But what I think is really interesting about ecosystem models there is how do MSPs learn to situate themselves within um, 
a group of other companies that are delivering different specializations to create an overall end customer value. Um, mm -hmm. It's not to say that this should happen for all MSPs or for all customer deals or anything like that. But as an MSP, if you have an ecosystem mindset and you have people whose job it is literally is to manage the ecosystem of partners you work with towards delivering an end customer an end customer deal, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing to think about. And particularly, I think that for vendors, we are seeing more and more IT vendors invest in ecosystem managers. We're seeing more and more job titles around channels, around partners, around ecosystems. We're seeing this grow, not consolidate at all. So I think that what we really need to understand is how vendors and partners can work together to create a better end customer value rather than um, trying to necessarily view yourself as the only partner or the only value point and the only value creation in that in that space. So I think that from the ecosystem perspective, vendors and, and, and partners need to work together more to understand how to unlock that value. Um, and that's the kind of thing where, similarly to what we were saying before, is when you think of business models, what is the business model? What is the way that you go to business? What is it that you're offering? And I think if you're offering more than just what you can offer, but what others and, and other companies in, in your channel can offer, you start to build, I think, a, a differentiated value proposition in a way that is probably more easily scalable than if you were to try to organically scale your capabilities internally and hire a bunch of new people. So I think that's the kind of thing where proper management of ecosystems is, is definitely what's changing uh, the channel today. Great, great. If I could uh, sum up, I think um, the key takeaways for me was that, you know, while uh, it looks like a uh, soft landing, we haven't seen the bottom yet. Um, we are seeing quite a significant amount of consolidation, uh, you know, regulatory pressures and uh, cybersecurity uh, issues. But even despite that, there is a lot of scope for managed service providers. There's a lot of uh, uh, space for growth. Growth is something that we are already seeing happen, especially with some of the larger players are already in double digit, uh, you know, uh, growth happening there for them. So there is uh, hope there. But um, one of the points, key points that Robin, you have made uh, a couple of times is that specialization is key. And MSPs who offer a specialized service and who cater to customers' evolving needs will always find a market. And I think that's a great point and something that all of us need to keep in mind. You know, catering to a customer's needs. Technology might change, you know, things, how they deliver the services might change, but finally you're solving for that customer. I think that's something that we need to keep in mind. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm really uh, glad that you have been here and you have given us a lot of, uh, you know, points to think about and ponder over. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you.